Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. And I wanna give you this week a tool that I've been using. Uh, I'm kind of on a roll with this, so I think we're gonna keep going with it. Tools, you know, it's a time of year when we can all use more tools, right? It's, uh, for many people, a hard time of year to stick with Bright Line Eating. Certainly there are occasions and parties and celebrations and so forth that crop up and give our saboteur ammunition to say, this occasion is worthy of an exception. You deserve to have a little fill in the blank, right? Um, so what do we do about that? Well, um, I wanna share my personal journey with what it takes to silence that saboteur and talk back to it in the moment and triumph over that sort of internal conflict that can start when you start to think that you might wanna deviate from the bright lines. Um, so if I talk about my own history, um, I started this food journey when I was 21 years old. I'd just gotten clean and sober and I'd gained a ton of weight. And I knew that was gonna happen when I stopped using drugs because it's really hard to be fat when you're using crystal meth and crack cocaine. So I was slender when I was doing that. As soon as I put down the drugs, I ballooned up like I knew I would. Um, and I got clean and sober when I was 20. So I got fat by the time I was 21. I was super uncomfortable in my body with all the weight that I'd gained. And I started going to 12-step programs for food issues. And um, initially, I didn't find much success. It was, I think, eight years before I found a, a way of working the 12 steps around food that worked for me. And it really wasn't about working the 12 steps. It was about finding the actual boundaries for food that would work for me. Um, and I did so in a 12-step program for food addiction, like I've been very honest about and candid about. Um, and... The program that, that worked for me the best had a really sort of intense policy of what happened when you ate off of your food plan. So not just like breaking the bright lines. You didn't have to just eat sugar or something to have all this happen. It could be any any deviation from your food plan. So it could be that you ate a baby carrot at three in the afternoon or you put a teaspoon of cream in your coffee or anything that was off your food plan, didn't matter how small the deviation, the, the line was bright, it was a bright line. So really it, it didn't matter what it was, if you broke your plan at all, here's what happened to you. You couldn't speak at a meeting for 90 days, you couldn't sponsor anyone anymore. So if you had sponsees, you lost them all and you couldn't work with anyone again for six months. If you were working the 12 steps in a closed step group, you were kicked out of it. So even if you'd been in that group for a year and a half and you were on step 11, about to finish the 12 steps in two more months, you were kicked out of that group. Um, what else? You couldn't do service work at any meeting. So if you held positions like secretary or treasurer or whatever, you lost those positions. Um, and everybody that you knew would know right away. Like you'd tell a couple people and everybody would, everybody would know. So there was sort of a, you know, a network of, you know, people talking to people. And so there was kind of this social feeling of like, oh yeah, so-and-so had a break. Um, and it, you know, it was information people kind of needed to know because it meant, oh, they've lost their sponsees. That means the rest of us need to kind of band, band together and pick up those sponsees and they can't, do those service positions at that meeting anymore. They can't speak at these meetings, which means, you know, there was there were implications for the community when you, what they called, broke your abstinence. Um, so that environment um, actually worked for me. There probably are people who are thinking that sounds horrific, but actually it worked for me because 
um, I'm ambitious and I'm socially conscious and um, and conscientious and like in that environment I didn't I didn't want to eat off my plan because the stakes were too high um, and and when I was in a moment like let's say I was in a restaurant and I'd finished what I had decided was my portion of food and my daughter was saying mommy do you want and they were she was holding up food to my mouth you know that's a moment where I would love to be able to say oh that's yummy sweetie but that bite of food like I knew that bite of food breaks the whole thing and I'm gonna suffer all those consequences I would be like the thought of those consequences would come to mind in that moment or um, yeah if I if it was dinner was over and I really wanted some more food, like I, either I didn't feel full or I just felt like, man, I would love to go get a little dish of something right now, you know, a little something, something. I would think, yeah, no, it's just not worth it. So on the strength of that social environment, those penalties, if you will, I went years and years and years and years and years without a single deviation to my food plan. Like I ate exactly what I wrote down the night before for years, not a single bite off plan. And you know, I, I was in that program for 11 years and there are only like, you know, a few days where I didn't do it. And, and I think my longest stretch of doing it was, I can't ever remember, it was either six years or eight years, but it was a long stretch. And then at other times I had a year or two years, like lo long stretches of doing it perfectly. So I left that program and now I do Bright Line Eating and one of my concerns was now so one of the things about bright line eating is we're we have a different culture here we have a, a very loving uh i mean not that that program wasn't loving it was actually but we have um a sort of like non-judgment culture like no um, I don't know how to put it exactly, except that, you know, it's like we have a lot of people in our community, they're not even high enough on the susceptibility scale where that kind of strictness is right for them necessarily, right? So what we have in Bright Line Eating is a commitment to the four bright lines and to supporting people in where they're at with working them. So not everybody is working them that way and that's okay. And there are people who are and that's okay too. So we very much meet people where they're at and love and support them unconditionally. Now, here's one of the challenges of doing that. So there's pros and cons. Like if, if, if you haven't figured this out yet, life is trade-offs, right? So one of the things that we trade when we have that culture is I was just co coaching someone on on a call the other day on a boot camp coaching call and she was saying Susan I stick with my bright lines for three or four days perfectly and then after dinner I'll go have some chocolate <laughs> she's like I'll be in bed and my mind will start going you should go get a piece of chocolate and she's like I'll sneak down to the kitchen I'll eat one piece of chocolate and then I'll go back up to bed and I'll go to sleep and she's like, then I'll stick with my food plan perfectly for two or three or four days, and then I'll go have a piece of chocolate. <laughs> and I mean, she knows, like, obviously that's not how we do bright line eating, but she knows that. That's why she's calling me on a coaching call and asking about it. She's like, how do I stop doing this? And I was like, well, that's a tricky one. And she's like, I, I'm like, how's your weight loss? She's like, I'm still losing weight. 
And I'm like, okay, so the reality is you're in a really tough situation because your saboteur has tremendous ammunition against you. The reality is when you eat that piece of chocolate, you don't binge your brains out. You get right back on track the next day and you're still losing weight. So how are you supposed to fight against that whisper of like, go have a piece of chocolate, it'll be okay. The reality is it will be okay. And she's like, but no, I can't stand the, the, the hit to my integrity. Like this, this is not integrity. I don't wanna be doing this. And I'm like, I get that, I get that. Your highest self doesn't wanna be doing this. But there's a part of you, we can call that part your saboteur, that's like, gotta admit that this is working. And she's like, right, yeah. There's a part of me that thinks it's working. Like, why not go get the, it's, it's you know. There, and I said, what if you set up a commitment contract? And I told her about a website she could use. It's called stick.com, S-T-I-C-K-K.com. You can go check it out yourself, stick.com. I recommend it. A couple of professors from Yale University set up this website where you can make a commitment contract you can choose yourself voluntarily to set some stakes. Let's say that you're pro-choice or pro-life or whatever. You could give 50 bucks to a charity that's the opposite, pro-choice or pro-life, whichever one. Let's imagine that you have strong opinions in that domain or whatever. Or let's say you're, you know, you're a Democrat. You could give 50 bucks to a Donald Trump super PAC. Or let's say you're a Republican. You could give 50 bucks to a D Democratic Party super, super PAC or whatever, right? You could set up an anti-charity. You could give 50 bucks to the KKK. You're not gonna give the money, here's the point. The point is you set it up so that if you fail to keep your commitment, you would owe 50 bucks to some anti-charity. And I said, then in the moment when you're sitting in bed and your saboteur says, go have a piece of chocolate, it won't matter. If you had 50 bucks on the line to an anti-charity of your choice, something that was really abhorrent to you, what would happen in your mind at that point? And she's like, oh yeah, I wouldn't do it. And I'm like, right, you wouldn't do it. She's like, oh, hell no, <laughs> I wouldn't do it. And I'm like, right? So it's incredibly powerful. Now I have another woman I've been working with since the very beginning. She got down to goal weight and, and now she's one of these people who has that issue where she can have a few bites off plan and kind of get away with it. Like, you know, she she's slippery with her lines, but she's pretty much in a right-sized body. She looks great. She mostly feels fine. It doesn't rob her serenity too badly, except when she starts to really slip a lot, it does. She doesn't feel as good about herself. So now she's in this situation where her highest self totally wants to have squeaky clean, bright lines. And there's another part of her that's like, yeah, you know, you go to parties all the time and have a little extra. So what's the big deal, right? And so I was coaching her. She's, um, I have a, I have a platinum mastermind group that, uh, was from the very beginning when I started Brightline Eating, the first boot camp, those graduates. I invited some of them to be in a small mastermind group with me. And there's, I think, four people that are still left in it. And I love them. We just, we meet twice a month for an hour. Um, just to keep supporting each other. They're all pretty much at goal weight and it's just delightful and we just support each other in the ongoing thing of maintenance. And um, so this is Teresa. Her name's Teresa Stowicki. She's a case study in my book. Um, she's lost a ton of weight. She looks fabulous. But now in the ongoing dance of maintenance, she's kind of like, you know, Susan, how do I 
talk back to my saboteur who now has all this great ammunition on me because the reality is when I break my bright lines a little bit, not that much bad happens except I'm so much happier when I stick with them. And I said, Teresa, go to stick.com and check out that website and set up a commitment contract. I don't think she had to use a lot of money. I didn't ask her how much, but I just got a text message from her today. And it said, Susan, stick.com is amazing. I am feeling so happy. I've, I've lost those five pounds that were plaguing me. And, you know, just living happy, thin and free, like squeaky clean, bright lines. And so I wanna share with you a little bit about the science of this because I'm using commitment contracts myself. The way this all started, I didn't, I didn't, uh, none of the, well, not none, but very few of the ideas that I share with you did I come up with originally. They all come from somewhere. Let me tell you where this idea came from. Maybe not originally, he probably got it from somewhere too, but it came into my world from a, a guy named Coach Bob Davies. So I don't remember when exactly, but it might've been a year ago. I think it was a long time ago. This guy, Bob Davies, writes to me an email and my team forwards it to me and, it, and he says, Susan, I am the male Susan Pierce Thompson. I used to be in that same 12 step program for food that you were in and I coach people on how to lose weight using a very similar model and I'm a motivational speaker and I speak all over the country and I'm super into the psychology and the neuroscience. We share a lot of the same science. You know, let's talk. I'm so excited to meet you. So Bob Davies and I have been emailing back and forth this whole year, basically. So when I put out that vlog last month sometime, I don't remember when exactly, called the morning after a binge, I binged, right? Um, I was having a super stressful month and, you know, my dad came to visit, which was only stressful in the sense that I, he's one of the people in this world that I love the most and I only get to see him twice a year. And my book got back in my possession at that very moment and I had to spend the time that he was there visiting, editing it, and I was stressed out about that because I wanted to be with my dad instead and I was editing this book and I was just, I was up to the gills and um, I ended up binging and I, that day I had to record a vlog the morning after, so what did I talk about the morning after a binge? So Bob Davies emails me and he says, did you eat sugar or flour? And I wrote back and I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> And he wrote back this long email and he's like, say it isn't so. Oh, Susan, I have never eaten sugar or flour since I started this. And, you know, eat a whole eggplant, eat a whole bunch of yogurt, eat anything but sugar or flour. Just, you know, don't eat sugar or flour. And then he said, I propose that you pay $1,000 if you eat sugar or flour. And I was like, I showed that to my husband and he was like, a thousand real dollars? <laughs> he's like, uh, sorry. <laughs> And, but the wheels in my brain started turning and then I ended up talking with Coach Bob on the phone about it and he started sharing the research with me on it and I followed up and I started looking it up for myself. So here's, here's the deal on the research on this. I've been wondering why it is that when that saboteur is trying to play on me, getting me to eat something off my plan, why is it that the fact that eight hours later I will wake up feeling sick as a dog and just miserable doesn't deter me from doing it? Why is it that the thought that the next time I record a vlog, maybe it's the next day, I'm gonna feel awful trying to talk about bright line eating when I binged last night. Like, why doesn't that deter me? You would think, I would think. When I started this, I thought, well, I'll never break my bright lines now. I'm being so public about it. Yeah, it's not a deterrent. Why not? I, I, I couldn't figure that out. 
one would think that, what are some of the other things? The thought of gaining weight. Like, I can't gain weight. I'm in front of people on video all the time as a weight loss expert. Like, I can't rock up fat to that TV interview. That's not gonna play very well. So why don't all of these potential consequences come in to deter me at that moment when I'm thinking of eating something off plan? And why, when I was in that old 12-step program, did the threat of losing my sponsees and being you know, kicked out of my 12-step group and not being able to speak at a meeting for 90 days and not being able to sponsor for six months, why did that come in to deter me? What's the difference? Can you think, can you figure out what the difference is? There's a difference. The difference is immediacy. Immediacy. The cells in the nucleus accumbens that are the cells that drive addiction, all they see is what's present in that moment. They, they cannot see anything in the future. All they can see is what's present in that moment. And if what's present is there's a hit available and it's this big, that's all they see. If there's a hit available and it's this big, that's what they see. But if there's a stick that's gonna hit you in the face the moment you get that hit, they'll see that too, only if it's immediate. So the reason that those consequences are immediate, losing your sponsees, not being able to speak at a meeting, is because the moment you take the bite of food, you change your world to a world in which those things are true for you. You become someone who that instant can no longer sponsor people. That instant, you're no longer eligible to speak at a meeting. That instant, you're no longer eligible to do service at meetings. And if you've set up a commitment contract, that instant, you owe 50 bucks to that charity that you hate. That instant, you owe that money. It's an immediate consequence. The feeling awful will come later, the weight gain will come later, the having to speak in front of your tribe will come later. Those are not immediate consequences, so that part of the brain cannot see them. So, these two professors from Yale University have done some research on this, and when you set up a commitment contract and you levy a, you know, some kind of stakes, some kind of penalty, you are three times more likely to keep your commitment. 300% more likely. Interesting. Another interesting thing is that the brain evolved to avoid penalties. The brain is a negative circumstance detection machine. Why? Because if you fail to detect the presence of a lion, you're dead. Like, there's no second chances on certain types of threats. You have to be aware that there's a cliff right there. You have to be aware that that rattlesnake could bite you. So the brain evolved to preferentially note penalties, deterrence, consequences, threats. It also evolved to seek out rewards, but at a far lesser rate. So, um, five times is the rate that I've heard. We have five times more cells dedicated to looking out for threats and avoiding them than we have to seeking out rewards and trying to go get them. Reason being, if you don't adequately account for avoiding the lions, you're not around tomorrow. If you fail to account for going to seek out the berry bushes, you've got tomorrow to do that too, right? It's a difference in, again, a difference in immediacy. You've got to avoid the threats. So again, a reason why setting up a penalty can be really helpful. 
So I've recently been doing this with great effect. I'm loving it. So here's an example. I was coming home from a trip recently. I was on the road for almost three weeks. It was gruel. It was wonderful, but it was grueling. And as I got home, I noted that I hadn't been meditating. You try meditating in a hotel room with a husband and three kids. It's not an ideal circumstance. So I'd let go of my meditation for a little while. I was on caffeine again. Don't love that. It actually works for me mostly. What I find though is that my meditation is not as deep. But since I wasn't meditating, I wasn't really suffering from that. So I was using caffeine. So I was coming home and I wasn't meditating and I was using caffeine. And I knew that when I got home, because as a psychologist, I know flying west is the best, flying east is a beast. And I was flying east through five time zones. So I knew that flying home, I was going to feel like caca. I was going to feel awful for several days. And I did. It was ridiculous. I had to sleep for like 10 hours a day just to even barely function. And I felt like I was moving through pea soup. So I'm flying home and I know like when I get home, I'm going to be jet lagged. I'm not going to want to meditate and I'm going to want to drink my caffeine. But I went to stick.com and I set up commitment contracts, 50 bucks to a charity that I hate. (laughs) And sure enough, it was easy. No caffeine, no problem. Meditating every single day, no problem. It's really, really powerful stuff. Really powerful stuff. So thank you, Coach Bob. Um, my bright lines never been squeakier, like super squeaky clean, feeling pretty awesome. And, you know, I do want to say that, um, my tribe, especially my bright lifers, most of them have not liked the idea of commitment contracts. And, and I think, and I, I talked on the phone with Julia Carroll, who's a bright lifer, um, a couple days ago. She was so helpful. She gave me insight into why she would never use a commitment contract. She said, Susan, I will never do that. It's, it does not work for me. And I pushed her because it's working so well for me. So I thought, why, why, why? And, and the reality is she, we just basically got down to, Susan, were you ever punished as a kid? And I was like, not really. I mean, my dad could punish, but not, not really. And she's like, Susan, I was punished as a kid. And I mean, severe punishment. And she said, for me, when there's a punishment looming, she said, I get rebellious. And the reality is I'll lie. Like I'll set up that contract. And I, but, but, but she's like, I'm an honest person. I don't want to put myself in that position. And the whole thing just makes me feel like rebellious. And like, it's just not a good fit for me. I don't want to do that. For me, my bright line eating program is about love. It's about acceptance. It's about just sitting with, okay, why do I want to eat? And, you know, loving loving myself, just loving myself. And I know that we have a lot of people in our tribe who feel that way. For them, penalty is not a part of it. They want no part of that. So what I want to say is this is a tool in the toolbox, and it's not a tool that you have to use at all. I'm just sharing my experience. It's been working for me. I know several other people in the community who are using it to great effect. That's all. Like You don't have to use it. There are lots of tools that aren't a good fit for everybody. But this is another one that's available. And I think where it's especially helpful is in those circumstances where you've been slippery with your bright lines and it's just hard not to be because it kind of works. You know what I mean? Like you kind of get get away with it, but your highest self doesn't want to be doing it. In those circumstances, having that commitment contract in place can be just the difference between, you know, living happy, thin, and free super peacefully 
and constantly struggling with that, you know, breaking that bright line and having to resume. So I offer this to you as an option, take it or leave it, just my experience. That's the weekly vlog. And if you have something you want me to talk about on the weekly vlog, send it in. I'm at susan at brightlineeating.com. I'll see you next week.